Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Like Pastor Chris said earlier, we want this to be an interactive type of service and event. So please feel free to comment as we're going along. I'm going to ask a couple questions. You can answer those questions. Give us an emoji, say amen, uh, whatever the case may be. I didn't know Pastor Chris was going to tell a story about his childhood because I'm going to tell one about my childhood too. When I was about eight or nine, a little bit older than Pastor Chris, I lived at Blue Mountain Academy in eastern Pennsylvania. At, uh, my dad was the boys' dean in the dorm. And we lived right at the base of the mountain. So the school was right here, and then, I mean, just right away, it went up into the mountains. Now, the mountains in Pennsylvania are not like the mountains here in California. They're quite a bit smaller, but they were our mountains, and we loved them. And, and that mountain was covered in trees, just there was woods everywhere. I had a pretty good childhood growing up there. But one thing that I didn't like about it was taking out the trash. Now, nobody likes taking out the trash, but in this case, it was a long way to take out the trash because we lived in the dorm because my dad was the boys' dean. And this particular dorm had one wing of the dorm was up here, and then there was this little part of the building that went sideways where the lobby and the dean's apartment was, and then there was another wing of the dorm down here. So when I wanted to take out the trash, I had to go out down two flights of stairs and past this whole wing of the dorm and around the other side and across the way, and there was the dumpster. So it was a journey to take the trash out, and I hated doing it. But what was even worse is when you had to do it at night. Because when you live in the country at night, it gets really dark. Here in Los Angeles, when the sun sets, it gets dim. But we still have a lot of lights from the city. But in eastern Pennsylvania, when the sun sets, it gets dark. Now, I want to tell you, I'm not afraid of the dark. It's what's in the dark that's a little bit scary. And at the time, I was pretty sure that Bigfoot was out there. And I don't know why I had this fear, as I look back, kind of irrational. But I had this fear that Bigfoot was out there and was going to grab me at night when I took the trash out. It was a great motivation to take the trash out before it got dark. And as I look back, you know, that was a pretty irrational fear. You know, there's been Bigfoot sightings, but I don't think Bigfoot's ever, like, kidnapped anybody or anything. But I was pretty sure Bigfoot was out there and ready to get me. What are some childhood fears that you might have had? What scared you as a little kid that you look back on and go, man, I can't believe that scared me. It doesn't scare me now, though. Let us know what those were. And fear is something that just permeates our life, and not just our lives, but our spiritual faith journey as well. Because fear just is, it just seems to be part of the human experience. As we go forward. And if you read the Bible, it doesn't take very long before fear arrives on the scene. It's 66 verses if you want to count them. Um, and we see that Adam was afraid. And it doesn't take very long before 
Fear is a part of what we have. And one of the things we learn from that is that there is a relationship between the fall of humanity and the fear of humanity. Those things are related because before the fall, there is no fear. There's only fear afterwards. And we have lots of fears. And some of them are irrational, like my childhood fear of Bigfoot. Some of them are due to things that may have happened to us. I know somebody who's afraid of fish because at one point in their life, somebody chased them around with a dead fish and terrorized them. And that fear lasts till today. Some of us have had terrible, horrible things that have happened to us that have left us scarred and damaged. And we have fear and we carry that around. Some of us have phobias. Right? And these things are all valid. I don't want to um, d- diminish the fear or the feelings that anybody has, but that's just around us a lot. If you um, search for the word fear in the NIV Bible, I'm sorry, if you search for the word afraid in the NIV Bible, you'll find it about 205 times. If you search for the word fear, you'll find it 336 times. There's a lot of fear and afraid in the Bible. So let's go through just real quick and talk about some of those. We're not going to highlight all of them, but just some of them real quick. As we talked about, Adam, right there in Genesis 3, he's afraid. And he's afraid when God comes into the garden and he says, I was naked and I was afraid. Right there at the very beginning. Abram, before he's Abraham, he has a fear that Pharaoh is going to steal his wife Sarai because she's so beautiful. And so he lies and says, she's my sister. And then he does it again later to Abimelech. Sarah lies when the angel comes and says, you're going to have a child. And she starts to laugh because she's old. And the angel says, why did you laugh? And she's afraid and lies and says, I didn't laugh. Isaac, just like his father, he lies because his wife is beautiful and he's worried that somebody's going to take her. Like father, like son. There must have been a thing back in the old days where you would take people's wives but not their sisters. I've always wondered about this. Why would you tell this lie? Jacob, in Genesis 32, he lies, or he's afraid, when Esau is coming with an army of 400 men, and he's afraid of what Esau might do to him. Moses is afraid when he kills the Egyptian and he runs for his life. All of Israel is afraid when they are stuck, so they think, at the Red Sea and Pharaoh's closing in on them. The whole nation is afraid. Samuel is afraid when he has a dream and God is going to punish Eli for what his sons have done. And Samuel doesn't want to tell Eli the dream and he's afraid. Saul is afraid. 1 Samuel 18 tells us that Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David but had departed from Saul. And later it says, 
And when Saul saw how successful David was, he was afraid of him. David, as we know, in half the Psalms, is afraid of Saul. So Saul's afraid of David. David's afraid of Saul. Completely irrational. Gideon is afraid. Gideon is hiding down in in a little depression in the ground where they would make wine, trying to grow a little food, hiding from an army. The angel shows up and says, Oh, mighty warrior! And Gideon's got to be going like, "Who, Who are you talking to? We're trying to hide here. Because he was afraid. Elijah, pastor preached about this a couple weeks ago. Stands up to King Ahab, stands up to the prophets of Baal, proves that God is the true God, and then the queen says, I'm going to kill you, and he's afraid and takes off running. Esther. Now, the Bible doesn't use the word fear in the story of Esther, but when she's going to meet the king, she knows it can be the end. For three days of of, uh, fasting... And prayer. So she must be feeling some amount of worry or stress over that. Rack, Shack, and Benny. I can't spell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Rack, Shack, and Benny. In Daniel 3, right? They're standing there in front of the king because they won't bow down to the idol. And the king says, heat up the furnaces seven times more. And this took a while because people had to throw fuel onto the fire and pump the bellows, more air, more fuel, more air, more fuel. And it took a significant amount of time to heat up those furnaces. It's not like somebody just walked over to a knob and said, all right, king, one time hotter, two time hotter, seven times hotter. We're good to go. No, they had to stand there for a significant amount of time not knowing if God was going to save them or not. There had to be some amount of stress in that situation. Daniel was not afraid, but was worried and anxious about the future when he has a dream and God doesn't seem to be giving him the the meaning to this dream. And, and, you know, we, we see that worry and anxiousness and, and those things, they're related. They're not exactly the same, but they're related. Isaiah and Jeremiah, God says over and over and over in these two books, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. It just seems like it appears nearly every other verse. Why? Because everybody's afraid. Things are not going well. And the people are afraid. That's just the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Joseph was afraid to get married to Mary, right? Until the angel comes. The shepherds were completely terrified when the angel showed up. King Herod was afraid of the people, says he wanted to kill John the Baptist, but he was afraid of the people. He was the king. The disciples were afraid a lot of times. In Luke 8, they're afraid that the storm is going to sink their boat. In Matthew 14, they're afraid uh, that they see Jesus walking on the water, and that makes them afraid. And then Peter's afraid when he starts to sink. 
Um, in Mark 14, they're afraid during uh, Jesus' trial. And we know Peter denies Jesus. And that whole Easter week is based on fear. The priest fear Jesus. The Roman authorities fear the priest and the Jewish leaders. They don't want them to get all riled up. Like the Romans are kind of like dad. Have you ever noticed when there was a fight in the house, dad says, be quiet. And one of the kids will say, but he started it. And what's dad say? I don't care who started it. I just want peace and quiet. That's what the Romans wanted, peace and quiet. They didn't care who started it. Just keep it to a dull roar so we can be in charge. And they were afraid. Of course, the soldiers are afraid when the angel shows up to open the tomb. They drop over like dead men. That's, that's serious fear right there. Pastor's going to be talking, I think, more about that next week for Easter. But, you know, a lot happens here. We see a lot of fear. But you know what happens is these people all survived. None of them died of fear. They all made it. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. That tells us something about what God will do. You know, psychologists have um, identified over 7,000 unique fears and phobias. I read one study where they grabbed 500 random people and interviewed them and found that those 500 people had 1,800 fears, unique fears, just for 500 people. We're afraid of a lot of stuff, and we fear getting old. We fear at the empty nest when the kids leave. We fear sickness and disease. You know, look around right now, what's happening. There's a lot of fear. And it makes us go buy toilet paper, and I'm not sure why, but if you don't have three packs, you're afraid, right? And we have fear. We fear failure. We fear rejection. We fear death. We fear the unknown. We fear losing our job. And, and some of these fears are, are, I mean, understandable. We can understand why we have them. If you're willing to, why don't you share a current fear that you have, that you have or someone you know is dealing with, right? I'm saying this for a friend. You don't have to tell us that you're afraid of something, but I have a friend that's afraid of, okay? And let us know what are some of the current fears that you have. Now, I don't want to just talk about fear today. I want to talk about how we can overcome that uh, and the things that we can do. God can help us overcome our fears, okay? And today I'm probably not going to tell you anything you don't know already. You know all of this. But sometimes we need to be reminded. If you ever had a kid, right, they sometimes don't need more information on how to behave what they need is to be reminded. Okay, So today we're going to do a lot of reminding. Because I, I think you probably know a lot of this. Hopefully you've got out a piece of paper. We've got five points. I know you don't have any sermon notes today, so you have to scrounge up your own piece of paper. So write down some five points here that we have. Number one, 
Fear is a stronghold of the mind. See, fear is not real. And some of you are thinking, like, you're nuts, because I've really been afraid before. But fear is not physical. You can't touch it. You can't push it. You can't keep it away. Because it's not real. It's not physical. It's just a stronghold of the mind. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and sound judgment. See, fear is... There's a spirit of fear. Where do you think that spirit comes from? Does that come from God? I don't think so. See, fear is a feeling. And we've talked about our feelings before because we have feelings and you can't really control your feelings. You feel what you feel. And sometimes you may feel fearful. What you can control is how you respond to them, how you react to those feelings. And when you don't know what to do, don't choose fear. Choose God. Make a conscious choice to use the sound judgment that God has given you to choose God instead of fear. Number two, fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is an opposite of faith. It's not necessarily the opposite of faith, but it's an opposite of faith. Hebrews 11 tells us, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. See, faith gives us confidence. Fear takes that away. Faith sees the opportunities Fear sees the obstacles. Faith says, I can. Fear says, I can't. Right now, you might be looking at this time when we can't meet together in this building and saying, that bothers me. I may not be afraid, but I don't like it. And that's okay, I don't like it either. But is this something to be fearful of Or is this something where we can say, this is an opportunity. The church has been deployed. We're not just here meeting. We're out and about meeting the needs of our friends and our neighbors and our family. Number three, fear is crippling. Fear is crippling. It can be paralyzing. It can be manifest in stress and worry and burnout and depression. It has a, 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 a characteristic of torment in it, right? Fear torments your soul. And it can be overcome with the help of the Lord. Look at what Isaiah says. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now, he's not just talking about physical strength here. 
He's also talking about emotional or spiritual strength. God will renew your strength. See, don't pray for God to make it go away. Pray for God to help you through it. Number four, fear is a misunderstanding of God. Sometimes when we're afraid, that's just because we misunderstand about God. You guys know the Lord's Prayer, right? I couldn't get it all to fit on the screen here. You know the Lord's Prayer. We probably know it by heart. Say it with me, right? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What do we learn from that prayer? The answer is a whole bunch of stuff. But the point I want to bring out today is we learn that God is on our side. See, Jesus came to teach us that God is for us, not against us. And God will be with you. We looked at all those stories of people that had fear in the Bible. They all survived. God did not abandon them. The last point, number five. Knowing God's love is the remedy for fear. See, when you know God's love, that's a remedy for fear. First John says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And John 1 says, Yet to all those who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. God does not want his children to be fearful and afraid. He has not given you a spirit of fear. Now, we're going to feel afraid. Sometimes. But that's not where God wants us to be. Recognize that and then try and work your way past that. See? Knowing God loves us, knowing God cares about us, will cast out fear. Remember, you are children of God. That, that means something, right? Matthew 10 tells us that even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I love my family and I try and do the best I can to take care of them. I don't know how many hairs are on their head. But God knows even that about you. One last verse that I want to read this morning. And this was too big to fit on there. This is Romans 8. 31 through basically 38. 
Apostle Paul is writing here. And he says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know how to put it any better than that. God will not be separated from us. He will not allow these things to separate us from Him. We're going to have troubles. We're going to have issues. We're going to have things we have to work through. But God is still sovereign. And God will see us through. Next couple of weeks, Pastor is going to be talking about some unsung heroes and maybe some of the fears that they faced and how they overcame and the things that they did. And we can do all those same things. These people in the Bible didn't have it any better than we have it. In fact, you could argue they had it worse. They didn't have all these stories and scriptures that we have to reassure us that God has been faithful for centuries and will continue to be so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, sometimes we have fear in our lives. Sometimes we understand why that fear is there. Sometimes it's kind of irrational, Lord, but it's still there and it still feels very real. Lord, help us to turn those things over to you. Help us to use the sound judgment that you gave us to be wise, to act appropriately, to reduce the stress and the fearful things in our lives. Lord, but help us to put our trust and our faith and our confidence in you. And Lord, no matter what happens, whether we're standing at the fiery furnace or in the lion's den or we're facing a crowd like you were, whatever the situation may be where harm seems imminent, Lord, or danger seems right there, help us to have the courage and the faith that you are there and you will be with us. Lord, we thank you for all the things we've been doing in our lives, Lord, getting us this far. And we claim the promise that you are on our side. 
that nothing will separate us from you, Lord. Be with us now, Lord. Keep us all safe wherever we may be and bring us back again. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.